Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the house of the Lord today for worship. In the word of God and the readings we have before us, you're just going to see the supremacy of the word. The word of God is just critical and vital for our future and for our life here on earth. Order of service is found in your worship folder and on screen at this time because we have a, a little bit different of an opening. I'd ask you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. How I love your law. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers. How sweet are your words to my taste. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yet so often we have despised God's word and failed to gladly hear and learn it. For this and all our sins, we bow before God and humbly ask his forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful, and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God gave his word so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The scriptures testify about Jesus who lived a perfect life for you, died on the cross to pay for all of your sins, and rose again to assure you of your salvation. 
Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority alone, I forgive you all of your sin. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, we thank you for planting in us the seed of your word. By your Holy Spirit, help us to receive it with joy and bring forth fruits in faith, hope, and love. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. first lesson is from Genesis 18. It serves as a basis of the sermon. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought. And then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent of Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. The word of the Lord. Continue with the anthem.
second lesson from Colossians chapter 1. Look, look at what the Word does for us and what it does within us, all by God's power. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. That has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. The word of the Lord. gospel from Luke chapter 10, if the gospel is so power to do all of that, to create faith, to give hope and love, to flourish us all the way until heaven, then what should we do with it? It's so simple. You listen to it. We read, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for hymn 645.
Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, dear fellow believers. I think it's Martin Luther who said, God doesn't do anything willy-nilly. I don't know, I like that quote. Which means when God shows up for something, when he comes to you in the word of God, he has a point to it. Because he doesn't do anything willy-nilly. And so in our lesson today, three people show up as strangers 
outside Abraham's home, and they stand at a distance, and that's what they respectfully did back then. When you're a visitor, it's kind of like ringing the doorbell and knocking on the door, and Abraham sees them, and he doesn't realize that the three people that are standing there that he goes to see, two of them are angels, and one of them is the Lord. And he doesn't ask their business. Their business is their own. Instead, you just see Abraham run to greet them, run to welcome them. He wants to pour out nourishment before them. He wants to give them something to eat. He he wants to care for these travelers as they're likely going to go on their way. He has no idea what's going on. But once they agree to some sustenance and nourishment, oh, you see Abraham go all out. And so he gets the whole household involved in this, in the meat and in the bread and in the curds, all of this together. Everybody's working and they're working fast. They are not going to run short. In fact, they had a supply more than these visitors could ever eat. Run is kind of the key word in Hebrew. It says hurry in the NIV translation, I believe. But he ran to the field, he ran to Sarah's tent. He ran to get all all of these things going. You see in all of this, Abraham is a gracious host. And he's a lover of strangers. But what's fascinating is, these strangers are not there for him in and of itself. And so sometime during the meal, Maybe right after the meal is finished, the three of them ask a question. Where is your wife Sarah? I think Abraham would have taken a step back or two, at least in in his heart when he heard this, because that's not Sarah's birth name. Or Sarah was not her birth, her given name. Her original name that her parents gave her was Sarai, S-A-R-A-I. And the interesting thing about this new name, Sarah, that the visitors use, that was a name the Lord gave to Sarai just a couple of weeks earlier, or if you turn your page back in your Bible, it was just the preceding chapter. There God gave her a new name reflective of the promises he extended. And so this visitor has secret if you will, private information that likely Abraham shared with Sarah, but they probably didn't tell anybody else, which means no visitors know this. No strangers know this. And so this is the Lord tipping his hand already as to who this is and indicating to Abraham, I'm not here for you, Abraham. My purpose is really to talk to your wife. So Abraham answers a question. He says, she's there in the tent. And just to give you a little context, if, if the Lord and the two angels are seated here looking at Abraham, where you are, Abraham points this way. So Sarah's tent was behind where the Lord and the two angels were seated. And that comes into play in the context here. So she's over there. Martin Luther makes a really neat point out of this section too that Sarah's a wonderful, wonderful wife. She concerns herself with matters of the house. She's taking care of her own business. 
And Abraham trusts her to do that, which is what she's doing in her tent. And Sarah trusts Abraham to take care of his business that he needs to. And he's entertaining these guests right now. And so Sarah's minding her own business, doing what she needs to do for the household. And yet now she hears her name spoken and she hears the new name spoken. You can imagine what anybody's going to do when they hear that. Her ears perk up a little bit, and so she walks, again, out of the eyesight of the Lord and the two angels. She walks to the front of her tent, standing just behind the door, the opening to the tent, and she starts listening to what's going on. She's supposed to. That's the exact reason why the Lord mentioned her name. Now that the Lord has her attention, and not just Abraham's, he mentions the full reason for the purpose of the visit. He says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. There's a breach of protocol here. Uh, if a visitor came into your home and knew intimate things that only you and your spouse knew <laughs> and then made a promise about you and your spouse about having a child in a year's time and of course whether they know or not there's something behind the scenes here too that Abraham and Sarah desperately have wanted to have children for the longest time and so this is going to really tug at the emotional heartstrings. There's really a breach of protocol here. Visitors don't do this. And I would like to think even in 2022 America, you don't go into somebody's home and get into somebody else's business like this. So what is the visitor doing? This is the visitor declaring bluntly, I'm the Lord. I'm not just some stranger showing up at your home. I'm here to tell you about what's going on. Now remember in the prior chapter when God gave Abraham and Sarah these new names, when Abraham heard this promise that God gave in the prior chapter, he laughed because he believed it. Oh, his heart leaped for joy because in, in faith and in hope he saw God making good on this promise to give him a child. And so he laughed in his heart because in, in excitement he saw that day happening. That's what faith is. Looking ahead and seeing God coming through on his promises. He's going to do it. And now God shows up here to say those very words, not for Abraham, though he would hear them again, but to say these words now so that Sarah could hear them so that Sarah could hear them from his own mouth. Sarah, I'm going to come back, and in a year's time, you are going to have a son. This is a gospel promise. Keep in mind, Isaac is not the son of promise, in a sense, the way Jesus was. But this is going to be just as miraculous because of things we're going to hear in just a little bit. This is, this is a miracle child, Isaac. And she needs to see that and she needs to be encouraged in that. And through Isaac, all nations on earth would be blessed because the promised one would come from Isaac's descendants. Jesus would eventually come and bless all nations on earth because of the work Jesus himself would do. But 
before Jesus could come, Abraham and Sarah needed to have this first son. Now, I've given you a lot of information so far in the sermon, and I want to I make a point here that's, that's important, and that is God did not show up just to give information. Nor is that the point of just sharing the word. Here, here's just a bunch of good information you need to know. That's not the point of the word, though it's an, still an important part of it. God did not show up to visit Sarah and Abram to say, Sarah, I, I want you medically to know what's going to happen. You're about to get pregnant, which means you better start taking your vitamins and you better start talking to your nurse about what's coming up because you're, you're kind of a high-risk pregnancy here, Sarah. That's not the point of his visit, to talk to her about medical reasons and issues. God stopped at Abraham and Sarah's house so that he could talk to her directly so that she would trust this. So he shows up. He does a home visit on her. He calls her by her new name to get her attention. He gets her attention and draws her into the discussion. And then he makes a promise about the future that she would have a child. What is God doing here? He's looking for her full confidence, her whole heart to be in this, which is just a neat point. And I understand sometimes women think, well, where do women fit in the whole plan of salvation here? Sometimes we feel left out a little bit. God does this home visit, not just for Abraham's sake, but he desires Sarah's salvation too. It's an incredible point that he wants to bring her along with her husband to have full confidence in the Lord and in what he's going to do. Unfortunately, Sarah's heart is not as welcoming and not as hospitable to the word of the Lord. And so she laughs in her heart. This is not the same laugh that Abraham did a chapter ago. This is the laugh of mockery. This is the laugh of derision. This is the, the laugh of, that's ridiculous. This is never going to happen. And actually, from a human reason standpoint, who, who of us can blame her? She's 89 years old at this point. Scientifically and medically, she is past the age of childbearing. She's gone through menopause. She cannot have kids. And that she even says with her, own, with her own words, after I'm old and worn out, now am I going to have this pleasure? She says, there's just no way. And then she even brings her husband in on this. And my husband, my master is old. She's saying the same thing about Abraham. He can't scientifically have kids either. Now, now maybe back when scientifically my body was able to do this and my husband's body was able to do this, then it made sense God, your promises made sense back then scientifically, so I was willing to go along with it. Isn't that interesting how we like to do that? Lord, when your promises make sense to my reason and make sense to me, then okay, I'll kind of go with it. But now that it doesn't make any sense, now that the science doesn't line up in any way, shape, or form, this looks completely ridiculous. It's an insult to her. And her reason is offended, and she rejects 
the promise of a child and she rejects the Lord. Honestly, this is no laughing matter. And it's no laughing matter when we do it either. When the word of the Lord is spoken, do you understand two things happen within us? At least from the sinful nature perspective. God's word is always an offense to my reason. The second thing is it's always an offense. It's an offense to my sinful nature. What do you mean, Lord? I can't do it? That I'm not good enough? That, that I can't accomplish this all by myself? That I need somebody else to do this? I mean, it just goes completely countercultural to our whole American understanding. We want to be able to do it ourselves. And yet the Lord continues to be confident in his word and simply put this forward. Why? Because it's through the simple word of God that like rain on rock, it cracks. It breaks something strong and stubborn. And it's the word of God and the simple power of the word that's there because it's his word that he gets behind doubt. And gets behind our reason. And he creates faith, not in science. He creates faith in him. And where there's faith that's already there because he's given it in baptism, he strengthens faith with that word. And, and he refreshes a spirit that's struggling that's what the Word does all by itself without any human addition to it. And isn't that what we've come to hear? I mean, church is, is a house where people come and, yes, it's worship, but we do nothing. We sit here. And that's the point. The Word does the work. And the Word works on our souls and works in our hearts and strengthens us again in what God says. Do you understand now what I'm saying really to you? God with the word serves us. I understand Abraham made this incredible meal for these three visitors. I understand he made a feast that they would never have exhausted. He made way more than they could ever eat. But really the gist of this story is God prepared a feast for both Abraham but especially for Sarah with the word that he was bringing them in his visit. And did they ever need it and do we ever need it? Do you know why? Because not one woman here has ever given birth to any kind of miracle messianic child that God has promised. And none ever will. There's not one person in here who by their own power has earned for themselves the ability to stand before God without any sin or guilt or shame. Not one of us has that right inherent in ourselves. There's not one person in here who has on our own, without the help of the Lord, who has that innate ability to stand before God and God says, here's my child, look, with this person I am well pleased. They've got it all together. There's not one person in here who's like that. Actually, you know the kind of people that are in here being sinful people? We're like Sarah. So when the word of God doesn't make sense to our reason, and when science works against us because 
it's kind of timed out, at least in our opinion, what the word can do, then we get deflated. Eh, my body's as good as dead. Nothing's going to come from this anyway. I give up. I'm just waiting to die. That's really a lot of what Sarah was saying. I'm as good as dead. Nothing good can come from me anymore. She was struggling. If anything, she had given up. You see what God does? He persists. Even to people struggling so badly. Because if, if, if we would just keep going, we surely would die in our sin. And if we would keep going with the world and with everything that's working against us right now, Satan especially too. Our laughter wouldn't be the laughter of faith, it would be the laughter of mockery, and it would end up with tears where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's how it turns out. Which is why God persists, not to change his course, not to change what he does, he sticks with the word. He continues to persist. And so in answer to what Sarah did, even though she laughed inside, she never laughed out loud, there, there was no sound that came from her body. And again, she's behind the Lord. The visitors didn't use their eyes to see Sarah's facial expressions. He simply says, why did Sarah laugh? That's another breach of protocol, isn't it? For a visitor to come in and to call the host and the hostess on their sin, potentially. Which is what God does when we come to his house too, doesn't he? He comes here and he points out where we failed. He uses the law. Why did Sarah laugh? Why have we joined her as well in her laughter? And we have. Can you imagine the shame Sarah felt at that moment? How did he know? Because he does. It's the Lord. This is his word. He understands sinners. And he persists with that same powerful word and gives it again. You need to hear it directly from the Lord's mouth. I will return to you in the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son, is anything too hard for the Lord? God persists. And Sarah, even though the scriptures don't spell it out in black and white, repented. And God did come through on that promise. And God brought to Abraham and Sarah that miracle child, Isaac. And you know what the name Isaac means? Laughter. Not the laughter of mockery. This is the laughter of faith. Both of them together, seeing the Lord as their salvation, were saying, Lord, we trust you. We trust you can do it. We trust you did it here. And now because you came through and gave us, even though science and everything else according to our reason said you couldn't, you did it. And now we see you're also going to do the greater promise, Lord. You're going to send that future son for us. You're not only going to bless all nations, you're going to bless us with a savior. You're going to bless us with a forgiver. And how the Lord did. When you look at the cross... Tell me, all of the grief, 
all of the shame, all of the unbelief, all of the mockery, all of that phony laughter, all of the sin, all of the arrogance was placed on Jesus Christ. Tell me, what did God leave out from what he placed on the shoulders of his son? He promised to do that for you. So that he could serve you in Jesus Christ with a meal of salvation that cannot be exhausted so that he could serve you graciously with forgiveness. Talk about a generous and gracious host and a lover of strangers and a lover of enemies God is that he would forgive the sins of the the entire world, all of his enemies, us included. What grace and what power belongs to the Lord that he doesn't still give up today on sinners, but instead in his house. And that's the purpose of this church too, isn't it? That he continues to just give his word to encourage you in faith, to build you up so that your faith flourishes, that your hope grows, so that you see Jesus as your Savior. And just trust him no matter what anybody else says. And that you understand God has a promise outstanding too. In just a little while, he's going to come visit this world again, isn't he? And before he does, you need to know and understand the answer to today's theme of the sermon. Why does God visit? Why does God visit us today in his word? Why will he visit us in person one day when Jesus returns? Because he desires our salvation. That's it. And and as he brings to us this word, he wants you to laugh. He wants you to laugh with faith and hope and joy all the way to your heavenly home. Because at the root of God's word is really what Martin Luther said. When God promises and when God speaks and when he visits, he just never does anything willy-nilly, does he? Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated for prayer. Lord God, our maker and preserver, we praise and thank you for all that you give us day after day. You have given us your precious word to nourish our souls and to protect us from the temptations of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. We thank you for your 
Heavenly Father, we pray that you would shield us from every kind of danger, sudden catastrophe, terrors of crime, and the pain of disease. Watch over those who travel by land, sea, and air. Keep our loved ones from whatever perils may threaten them. Bless our land and our people and those who hold offices of high trust. Keep our government and schools upright and strong for the advancement of good citizenship and useful vocations, that we may enjoy your gifts of peace, security, and well-being. Just a word of announcement for clarity. I, I didn't put these at the end of the bulletin, but we're going to have special prayers for two people. One is Linda Haman. Her birthday is tomorrow. And the other, this particularly, to be clear on, we're going to have a prayer for, for Mr. Unki. This is our former pastor, Unki's brother. Uh, Jim Unki had a stroke yesterday morning. Jim works at Martin Luther College and is really kind of head of athletics and chairman of the physical education department. So we'll have a prayer for both of these individuals. Lord Jesus, we thank you for granting Linda Haman tomorrow 75 years of mercy and blessing, forgiveness, and life. You have been so generous to her, and she gives you all honor and glory. We also ask your blessing on Martin Luther College Athletic Director of, and in charge of physical education, Jim Unke. Yesterday morning, he suffered a stroke and is now at Rochester. Lord, please remain by his side. Give him strength both in heart and in body. And please, according to your will, grant him healing and restore him to his family and to his ministry. Hear us, Lord, as we now bring you our private petitions. We bring these requests before you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. And Lord, we ask you to hear us. Take all that we have, our bodies and minds, our time and skills, our ministries and offerings, and use them to your glory. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.
please stand. Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts, that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness, and comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our guests and visitors. Love having you come. Please come worship with us again. As far as announcements, Pastor Bodie is helping out of preaching today for Pastor Hoyp. So he's just uh, west of our town here in Plymouth at Good Shepherd, uh, preaching this morning. Wish him God's blessings on that. Uh, we have Bible study coming up that'll take place right in here. I believe the gym is very close to done, but uh, needs maybe just a little bit to dry. So. We'll, we'll see about uh, future Sundays where Bible study is going to be, but today it'll be right in here after uh, church, about 9.15 a.m. Mr. C is going to lead us uh, finalizing Revelation for us. To, two more Sundays, today and next Sunday. 
Uh, we also have our Wells Connection for the month. We'll step in on that. 